Welcome to episode four of Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability people have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. These are honest conversations with people of all walks of life, reflecting on their own bootability, what it looks like, how it feels, and how the philosophy of SGI Nichiren Buddhism, which is based on the practice of chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, can be used to bring it out. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. As you know, this podcast and our new publication, which you can read at bootability.org, is all about how to believe in yourself again, told through stories, advice, and tips from a community of Buddhists doing it every day. The benefits of believing in yourself take many shapes and forms, better relationships, better health, better habits, and better jobs. One aspect of life that absolutely requires great courage and confidence is choosing and developing our career. Often, when we're children or young adults, we discover the things we're passionate about. And then, as we get older, we have to figure out how to support ourselves, and our passions sometimes get left behind. So today, we're going to talk about how to turn your passion into your dream job. Our guest today is Roberta Giordano, a young woman who lives, works, and practices Buddhism in Northern California. Since she was young, she's been passionate about protecting our planet and solving the climate crisis. And in college, she became very active in organizing to make this happen as a volunteer and activist. But today, it's what she does full time. The story of how she got there is one that almost anyone can learn from, because it was all about learning to believe in herself against all odds, especially in the face of depression, anxiety, moving from Italy to America and not speaking the language, and trying to change a very old system. Today, she tells us about how you can use Buddhism to do the same for yourself, whatever your passion or your cause might be. So before we get into the how you got to where you are, why don't you just tell us what you do? What, what is your job? <laughs> what, what is your career today? Yes, sure. Um, yes, so I am uh, a campaigner for um, a nonprofit organization called Sunrise Project, uh, which is headquartered in Australia, uh, but works internationally. And so what we do, um, we run campaigns to um, strengthen social movements that are working to tackle the climate crisis. And um all our work revolves around creating the preconditions and uh, structures in place for these institutions to shift their capital away from uh, companies like fossil fuels or companies that are um, causing deforestation in critical ecosystems around the globe. Wow, that sounds very, uh, very challenging. Just out of curiosity, you know, um, when you were younger, is this sort of the line of work that you hoped to get into or sort of what was your dream when you were when you were younger for your career? Yeah, well, <laughs> actually, I for the longest time, I had no idea what I wanted to do uh, with my life. Um, I I guess I, I was not the traditional like high school student or even college student like I went to college. Um, 
I was a little older when I decided to enroll in college. Um, and so it took me a long time to figure out really what I wanted to do. And also, to be totally honest, like I, I always knew what my passions were, but I never thought that I could actually build a career based on my passions. It took me a long time to um, allow myself to believe that I could... Um, you know, be able to live uh, and still, you know, follow my passions. I remember when we spoke earlier, you mentioned um, there was kind of an experience that you had with climate change at a very young age in Italy um, regarding a drought. Yeah, that story. So um, I think I was maybe like eight or nine years old. And um, at that time, I can't remember whether it was my region or the entire state of Italy that was going uh, through a drought. Uh, but anyway, there was a lot of like, um, there was a big awareness campaign at that time. And so really encouraging people to not waste water, to, you know, only shower, you know, once every few days, uh, only drink water when you're actually thirsty, that kind of stuff, you know. And so... I remember, though, the very like first time that I saw, um, we got this card um, in the mail. Um, and I remember this card said um, something along the lines, like, we, we are in a drought, and if we, do not, if we do not save water now, like, we will run out of water. Um, and I remember just, like, reading that and going through, like, a moment of crisis. Um, I remember just being terrified by the idea that uh, my family could not have water at any point or our rivers, you know, would dry out. Um, and so, you know, I I felt completely paralyzed and, um, and terrified. And so that was the moment that I think... Uh, while it brought a lot of fear in my life, uh, especially at that young age, I also started to see that it was important for us to do something to protect, you know, the environment. And I started to realize, wow, like our resources are finite, <laughs> you know, like if we keep extracting, if we keep consuming, we're going to run out because that's that's how it works. And so like that was the moment that I had, I guess, uh, this little epiphany where I was like, OK, we don't have limited, unlimited resources, so we have to be careful. But, you know, for many years uh, until I think until I went to college, like I really did see, I really did perceive the environment as a separate entity from human beings, you know, like I... Um, yeah, I think my approach for the longest for the longest time was like we have to protect the environment because it deserves protection. But never have I thought that you know ultimately you know we as human beings we are in relationship with our environment with Mother Earth. We um, you know protecting the environment also means protecting and defending ourselves, especially you know communities that are at the forefront of extraction and really fighting. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That um, I have so many questions about that because that it, it seems like a lifelong sort of how do you say like a lifelong series of questions you sort of had to ask yourself as your as you grew up and as your career developed um but why don't we start just so our listeners have a little context about who you are and kind of how you ended up practicing buddhism because it sounds like you started practicing buddhism around the same time that you had to start thinking about what to do with your life <laughs> so can you tell me that story yeah, absolutely. So, as mentioned, I am originally from Italy, um, and I decided to move to to the United States to to California uh, in two thousand eight. Um, 
after, yeah, I guess it was about a year after graduating high school. Um, and at that time, my older sister, um, she, she had gotten a job offer in Los Angeles. And so at that time, she had already moved to Los Angeles. And I um, was really struggling uh, with um, just in general, like depression and really um, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And so it was a time where I was feeling a lot of pressure to do something, you know, with my life. And I honestly had no vision uh, for what that could be like. Um, and so my sister uh, really encouraged me to move to, to Los Angeles with her. And um yeah, a few months after I moved, I actually, I really started to to feel even uh, more depressed. A big part of it is because at that time, I didn't even know like how to speak English. You know, after a few months uh, of being in Los Angeles that I was struggling so much, like I I realized though, like that, that um, you know, that sense of um, emptiness, the lack of purpose, the lack of vision that uh, kind of I had my entire uh, adult life um, was not going to change uh, regardless of where I lived. I realized, wow, this is something that, you know, it has to do with me, with me, the way I think, the way I function. Like, so I guess that, you know, to change it, like I have to change something from within. Like I somehow I have to go through some sort of um, internal transformation. And so, you know, that was actually the moment where someone introduced me um, to Buddhism, to, uh, to, yeah, Nietzsche and Ashanin's Buddhism. And so that was the moment that, like, I realized that, uh, you know, through this practice, through this philosophy, I, you know, I can go through this process of really identifying what is it that has been holding me back, like all this fear um, that I just, you know, feel on a daily basis, just this lack of hope. Like, I know that I can transform it, like, if I really look inside and figure out what it is. And so, um, yeah, like, like honestly, after only a few months of uh, having uh, started uh, to practice Buddhism, I, I really started to see incredible changes from, um, yeah, like in my own life, really just internal changes. And so that was the moment that, um, you know, I remember like one of the biggest things for me was like really just like constantly feeling hopeless. Like I, um, I never... Um, yeah, I didn't know what hope, you know, felt like until I started practicing Buddhism. And I remember a couple of days of like, you know, chanting, which is really an active form of meditation. Um, I, I just remember starting to feel like this sense of hope inside, like this, like new, um, almost like my, my body was feeling like energized and revitalized. And I started to think about, okay, it's not actually as dark <laughs> as, as, as it is, you know, like there, there are options, there are choices that we can make. And, uh, and so, you know, that was a game changer because I felt for the first time that I could create hope in my own life. And so despite nothing had changed, you know, in my external circumstances, I was still this, you know, young girl that had just moved to a new country and I had no idea what I was doing. Like I really started to feel this strength inside that I did not know I had. Um, and um, yeah, I think with time, um, also just like by engaging in uh, really learning and studying about uh, Buddhist philosophy, like I really learned one of these core concepts, which says in Buddhism that ultimately, you know, we, um, we as individuals, we all have a, a mission that only, you know, we can fulfill, you know? And so that was the moment that I really started to kind of really engrave that in my life. Like, okay, you know, we all have a mission. So like, what is my mission? Like, 
what do I need to figure out? And so like, I really started to focus on that and, and seek answers. And so um, this process of really um, seeking answers from within my own life allowed me to see the kind of career path that I wanted to undertake. So it took me a while, uh, but really, uh, eventually I was really able to become very clear uh, what I wanted to do, how I really wanted to use my life. So, wow, yeah. yeah, that's really inspiring. Um, so then how did you begin in terms of your career? So, I mean, you're still so young, you know, you're what, just just after high school, still one year, and now you're chanting this thing that someone has told you about. Um, so how did you, what steps did you take to really start to develop your, your career? What did you do next? Yeah, so, yeah, so the first thing, like, it was really like allowing myself to honestly believe that I, that I, you know, I had a role to play, um, which is something that I never allowed myself to even think, you know. Um, and so, so that was the first step. Like this practice allowed me to think, okay, you have a role. Figure out what that role is, right? And so, um, once I figured that out, like I really. I, it kind of felt like this uh, burden was lifted off my shoulder. And so I kind of allowed, allowed myself to go a little wild in terms of uh, the possibilities. And so, you know, at that time, I decided, which was a huge step for me, to, to enroll in college, um, to enroll in community college. And I was like, I still don't know what I want to do, but I do know that, um, you know, I want to do something that allows me to contribute positively to society. And I know that I care about protecting the environment. I know that I don't want my family to run out of water, right? Like that, that was kind of like where I was coming from. And so, you know, the moment that I decided to enroll in college, I was like, but you know what? Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. So I'm just going to explore. And so I really, you know, started to... Um, I was in community college and I started to take all sorts of classes. And then, you know, it became, after two years of community college, it became very clear uh, the path that I wanted to take. By the time I graduated uh, college, which like I, you know, it's like I said, I was an older student compared to most. Um, I was so like clear of what I wanted to do. And even during college, like I was already doing a lot of the work that I'm doing now in my career because I, I felt like I don't need to get paid, you know, like I just want to do this work. And so like, I'll do, I'll do it like in, you know, whatever shape or form I can. And so like, I, um, even when I was in college, I was already doing a lot of this, um, yeah, uh, organizing around, uh, climate. And so, and, and then by the time I graduated, I was really able to, um, um, yeah, start, you know, getting a full-time job and really doing this kind of work. Um, and so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious how, uh, so what I'm hearing from you is that initially chanting kind of gave you the courage to realize that you had some kind of a purpose in the world. And there is this um, kind of passion and interest and, and worry about the climate crisis that you had already been living with. And you decided this is what I'm going to do. And then you got through school. Um, but I'm curious in terms of especially when it comes to social issues that are this big, it's just this like giant kind of knot of you can go in any direction and you never really know if you're making impact anyway. How did chanting help you to navigate in developing the career in terms of finding a job and finding a job that spoke to you and felt right for you? And, you know, tell me a little bit about that process. So, 
here's the beautiful thing about chanting. Um, you know, chanting really allows you to um, to connect to the really the true the, your true self, and so it allows you to um, to really see you know, what your true desires and needs and, and also limitations are. And so it's kind of like, it can be, uh, it's hard work, I have to say, like, um, you know, it's like therapy, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you, you're facing a lot of the stuff that like your entire life has been kind of holding you back. Uh, but in that process, you're also awakened to the other great side, the, other, the the great things about yourself. And so, like, you realize as you're like, oh, man, like, wow, like a bigger, you know, big tendency of my life is to maybe uh, compare myself to others and feel less than, you know, others. That That was like a big thing, you know, in my life. And so chanting really allowed me to see that. But also chanting allowed me to see that, um I could, uh, you know, really rise above the tendency and not be defined by it and really fight it back and really allow myself instead to bring forth courage to really be like, you know what, maybe I am, you know, less skilled or less organized than other people, but who cares? You know, like I, you know, like I can still contribute, you know, even if, you know, some people are legitimately, you know, more um, skilled than me and that's okay, you know, so like really gave me uh, this this true sense of confidence that was not based on, um, I guess, outside validation. It was really based on like how I was truly feeling. And so, um, so this is to say that like, um, you know, chanting really allowed me to, I, I think, really um, become true to myself. Uh, in ways that I don't think I would have been able to otherwise. And so and so even when it's hard, uh, when you do this work, especially because it's complex and and um, it's also really hard to see the victories on a day-to-day basis. If anything, it's quite the opposite, right? Like every day something happens that you have to kind of respond to, right? Um, you know, this, this spiritual practice allows you to, to still be able to get up and, and, and continue to move forward, you know, uh, you know, one step at a time, because once again, you're not basing yourself on a, on a illusion, like a a fake sense of like, um, like you're really grounded in yourself and like your ability to really just continue to move forward no matter what, which is like so different from just like telling yourself that you can do this. It's like you're just like truly feeling feeling this sense of like um, empowerment, you know, that it's uh, that it's not based on any outside validation. It's just based on who you are, your true self. And so I don't know. Does that answer? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's so interesting. Actually, I never thought of the the fact that there is a difference between actually physically feeling like you believe in yourself and telling yourself to believe in yourself there's such a I never thought of that but that's huge difference and chanting I agree even for me chanting you just feel it in your body you just do believe in Mm -hmm. yourself you don't have to like do mind tricks and say believe in yourself yeah (laughs) yeah I think like by nature, like I, I am a little, um, I am not the most positive person in the world. <laughs> I like tend to be cynical at times. I also, um, you know, like I allow myself to be discouraged too at times, especially, I mean, this year has been so challenging, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And like every day it's been, um, every day, like I find myself like feeling okay, like 
you know, just like we have hell, you know, hell is broken loose. Like there's nothing that we can do. It's like, and so like, I allow myself to feel that, like I allow myself to validate those emotions. Um, but, you know, chanting allows me though to not dwell in those emotions. And so that's what's most powerful about this practice is that it makes me, it allows me to feel, to feel in general, and also um, allows me to, once again, just like pick myself up again, but based on like, no, it's just not an intellectual thing. It's like, I truly feel my entire body feels like I want to move forward. Like I want to do this. I want to pick myself up again. I'm going to redetermine and I'm going to do whatever work that needs to be done today, tomorrow, a week from now. Mm. Yeah, that's such a great, great way to put it. I am. I think that when, I mean, I'm sure people who really have struggled with depression, anxiety, overwhelm, um, know that such a big aspect of it is that you do kind of turn off your feelings. It's, it's so unbearable that not only do you feel stuck, but you sometimes just don't even process the things that you're feeling. Um, but in order to take action, you have to. So I, I so appreciate that you said that because yes chanting it's like you do suffer what you have to suffer through but then you come out of it and you take action yes um can i ask so let's just go back to your career currently um you know why is your job your dream job and how did you get to this job sort of what was the process that you went through yeah so um so like i mentioned like i um i changed my mind about what is the best approach to tackle climate change many, 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 many times <laughs> in my life. And, uh, you know, I continue to do so, like um, really uh, finding new ways to, to, to think about how to, um, to solve, you know, this crisis that we're all uh, living in at this time. And so, like, from a scientific perspective, climate change is the result of, you know, carbon emissions in the atmosphere. Like, you know, we continue to emit you know, emissions. And there you go, you get global warming, which actually, you know, it's not just the warming of our planet, but it's like the result of like, but it causes extreme uh, weather events, you know, uh, taking places in the entire globe. And so that's when you find yourself in a climate crisis. And so, uh, you know, I started to see that ultimately, the reason why as human beings, we we destroy, we're destroying our planet, it's because we're seeking profit. And so, um, and so it's interesting because why Buddhism really, uh, you know, helps you, um, you know, it empowers you to really think of yourself as an individual, as this protagonist that can really transform society by, by transforming, you know, themselves first. And then the work that I do is all systemic, right? So it's really like high level up there. But actually, the two really come together because ultimately it's the same thing. It's like you, you, what you're doing is like you're trying to build a system that does not capitalize on others. You're trying to build a system where everyone can thrive, where everyone can be happy, where everyone, you know, is respected where everyone um, is is empowered. And so like the current economic system doesn't do that. And that's why we have climate change. And so, you know, when you when you change that system, like you can go to a different place, uh, a more harmonious place. And and this Buddhist philosophy allows you to see that and reminds you like you got to do that. And it starts with you on your day to day basis. And then whatever work you need to do in your life, like just remember that principle. Right. And so yeah, so I think that's what has driven me to where I am today. Mm. That's that's beautiful, and that's yeah, that's a very um, such a hopeful way to 
hopeful and responsible way to look at life. Um, I, can I just ask a follow-up to that? So, um, you know, I'm just thinking from, from the perspective of people who, you know, maybe pay attention to the news and they do understand um, why the world is facing many of the issues that, that we are facing today. When you saw that this set of social issues are all sort of connected to um, uh, this sort of economic system and the flow of money, how did you have the courage to actually decide, okay, I'm going to actually find a job that lets me do something about this? Like, how did you make such a bold determination? And then what did you do to get where you are? Yeah, so I was working for an incredible organization called Amazon Watch. Shout out to Amazon Watch. Uh, it's uh, it's basically um, uh, an NGO. It's They're actually based in the Bay Area, but uh, they work um, with indigenous uh, communities in the Amazon Basin to d- defend and protect those areas. Um, and so um, when I was working at Amazon Watch, I was actually uh, working in development and so really supporting all the initiatives to uh, make sure that the organization had the resources necessary to do that great work. And then like a small part of my time was also devoted to campaigning, but it was very small. Um, which it also included like looking at the role of financial institutions that were driving deforestation in the Amazon. Um, and so, but it wasn't enough for me. Like I really wanted to do it. Like I really wanted to do 24 seven, just like, um, you know, campaigning work. And so, you know, despite like working for an amazing, very impactful organization, like that was the moment that I decided I was like, okay, I have to quit. Cause I, this is actually what I want to do. Then like, I remember like I quit my, the job that I had. And then like, I went through this, like, nine months process of just like searching for the perfect place to to be and um you know that was like a really uh difficult moment in the sense that uh, it was very uncertain but like I you know I kind of took my chances and um I was doing all sorts of jobs like I, I went back to um serving at a restaurant and uh I was doing a lot of like consulting gigs and I was also like driving lift I was I was doing all sorts of things to keep myself afloat um and it was such you know it was a challenging moment but I was so happy to do that because I knew exactly what I wanted to be and so once again this practice on a day-to-day basis like really allowed me to um you know to give me the courage to to continue like even though like I was getting so many rejections it was like one after the other and uh you know that tendency of mine to feel less than others like totally came back in full force (laughs) so like I had to battle that again um but because of once again this uh spiritual practice that really grounds me every morning and every evening whenever I do it I was able to keep going and in that process like I just became so creative in the ways that I was providing for myself so yeah it was a journey but like I I developed a lot of creativity um, and, and courage, and it really did stem from from chanting. Yeah, it's amazing that you don't think about the fact that your dream can continue to get to get bigger and keep changing the more that you're pursuing it. And if you just really keep your eyes on it, you can continue to grow. So that's so encouraging to hear. Um, so then I, I guess my last question is just... Um, You know, going back to what you shared in the very beginning that, you know, you were this, I suppose, teenager or young young adult who really struggled with depression and feeling overwhelmed and not feeling like you maybe had a purpose in the world. And now you're you're doing such difficult work that 
as you mentioned, is not necessarily rewarding in the moment. You don't know what the effects of the work that you're going to do really will be on any given day or even any given month. So how do you feel with the the feelings of um, smallness or, or feeling overwhelmed now as you do the work? And, and how, how does chanting sort of play a role today in, in that? Yeah, oh my gosh, it's a, it's a day-to-day battle. Um, you know, there is a concept in Buddhism that um, it's called uh, transforming karma into mission. Uh, and so what that means is that, you know, we're all like complex human beings, right? And we all have um, incredible skills and strengths. And we also have flaws, right? Like we're all human beings. And so, um, you know, when you live your life just driven by your flaws, like you, we basically say like you're a victim of your karma, right? Like you're just like going with the flow. You're just letting your like most destructive impulses drive your decisions and uh, the way you see life, your perspective on life. And so... And so that's when you're just like a victim of your karma, right? But when you practice Buddhism and you chant, you actually start using this, it's so amazing, like these destructive impulses that you have, like Buddhism kind of like sheds a light on them. And so like, instead of being destructive, these tendencies actually become a source of uh, uh, kind of value creation. And so going back to the story when I was little, when I found out that Italy was running out of water (laughs) and I felt like so hopeless and I was so sad and I was devastated and terrified, you know, like nowadays when I hear of like wildfires, you know, for example, just around the corner from me, um, you know, I still feel terrified, right? And I still feel devastated by the loss, you know, that these wildfires are bringing to the people that live there, to the economy, to the local economy. And also like, once again, like it goes back to climate change, right? But with this Buddhism, like I don't let myself just be paralyzed and and like, and feel just terrified by the events, but actually like I use this, um, this empathy that I feel, um, this like, my ability that I still have to connect, you know, with what happens with the world, I use it to even light, to to light even more fire in my life to do this work that is hard and complicated. And so, and so I think that that's, that's how I deal, you know, with the craziness of this world. Like I, I use, like I chant so that I can actually transform these emotions into a source of, of value creation. And, um, and it's amazing how it works. Like, like, cause like I said, it's genuine. It feels true to yourself. You're not just telling yourself like to do something like you generally feel it in your heart. Like, you know what? Like, I am not gonna let this, you know, uh, sway me. Like I am so upset. Like I I'm outraged and I'm going to do something about it. So like I really use all these emotions that used to really uh, be so distractive for my life, you know, like I use them now for good. And I think that's the beautiful thing about Buddhism. Like you're able to transform your karma into mission, like all these destructive impulses become a source of value, like become good in your life. And so you just like awaken to this um, in your new, new sides of yourself, but they're not even that new. You're just like, you know, using, using them differently, you know? So let's recap the key lessons that we heard from Roberta's story. First, courage is something that exists in unlimited reserves within your life, and chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo is a way to bring it out without having to think too much about it. If you're willing to believe that you have a purpose that only you can fulfill, 
and you chant about it, then you can start making bolder decisions about how to spend your life. And whether you're up against insecurity on the inside or challengers on the outside, tapping into your boot ability every single day can help you navigate every decision along the journey from your passion to your dream job. We write about this topic a lot on the site, so if you want to learn more, please visit bootability.org. As always, you can check out the show notes from this episode for a breakdown of what we discussed today if you want to circle back to any section. And if you're liking the podcast, please leave us a rating or review and don't hesitate to reach out at podcast at sgi-usa.org. That's it for today, and we'll see you next week.